Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Filthy Shambles, episode 38, uh, season two. <sighs> you know, we've got to do this, guys. I've got Ross and Adam with me. Uh, how are you both doing? We don't have to do anything spooky. I mean, they're, they're paying you. We we can just log this off, <laughs> sing some songs. Um, you know, we were having a chat about our most hated Spurs players on the group today. We can just do that. Screw yeah, the we listeners. could do. You, do you know what? You're that, the creative, that, right. man. They're paying You're you to right. be creative. Every single Damn podcast, straight. every single podcast is going to be saying the same thing. Everyone's going to be talking about the same thing. However, for historical purposes, you know, we we probably need to to talk about Antonio Conte and Tottenham Hotspur. We need to be, we need to do what everyone else is doing, really, because I I got a feeling in my gut. I think a lot of Spurs supporters this week have the same feeling that he probably won't be with us for that much longer. So. Once he's gone, it's gonna be it's just gonna be a new start and we'll probably look to the future rather than get anchored to the past. So we might as well go in on Antonio Conte the same way he went in on uh Spurs and the players. Or did he? Well we're gonna get to that. And to be fair, I'm gonna try and play devil's advocate. I'm gonna try and be as balanced as I can be as a moderator here as well, because I know Ross Adam you got conflicting opinions, and I, and I think Ross as well. There's there's certain things that we've spoken about where I'm like I don't agree with that, and you don't agree with me. So it's this this won't just be about slagging off Conte. Uh, we're going to try and be sensible about this, but we're also going to try and try and work out what the hell is going on again at this football club. So I'm going to start. Um, well, let's actually just start with ugh, his presser. So he comes out. He says what he says. Lots of people didn't watch it. They read the quotes. Obviously, a lot of context is lost when you're reading words because you tend to add the tone to, you know, to to the uh, to the words yourself based on your own opinions as well. And it can look a little bit more hateful when it's edited. And then you you kind of watch uh, the video of him saying the words, and you probably get even more mad uh, uh, the, the way it's delivered. Um, and, and and in amongst it, there's some home truths. In amongst it, there's some things that we can agree upon. But it's his delivery and his application and his hypocrisy and his inconsistency and the, the, the manner in which he delivers this and his complete detachment. There's so many other variables that kind of build up to the point where you're thinking, he's got to be sacked at this point. We've got to let him go. Um, it's not working. Um, Adam, what was your, what was your reaction to... Um, I mean, quick. I don't really want to talk about the game, to be fair. But what was your reaction to Conte's reaction to the game? Like considering the, um, you know, it could have it could have ended three two. To be fair, to be fair, if, the, if that pen wasn't given, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but post game, did I mean like what? What did you make of all that? So we where we were standing at the game, um, it was noticeable that Conte was going absolutely potty on the sidelines like ballistic um for at what? Good, at what? after the penalty was given during oh, the VAR okay. check yeah after after it had gone in 
for three or four minutes, he completely lost it. I don't know if the cameras picked up on it or if any mention was made of it. And so I guess when you're standing there, you just assume, well, obviously he's lost his shit because um, ridiculous mm-hmm. penalty mm-hmm. and two points dropped and race for the top four. And then you just get this... Um, you know, sometimes managers have these rants that feel very thought out. Like that was that famous Rafa Benitez one where he even came in with his notes, didn't he, about facts and stuff like that. Yeah. This wasn't that. This is like a, a diatribe that you'd expect of a sort of a fan podcaster half an hour after the game just saying whatever comes to mind and stream of consciousness nonsense um and albeit it's a second language so fair play to him for that because that does make life 10 times easier and maybe actually hearing it in italian with a translator would have been more interesting because we may have got a more accurate representation of what he was trying to say yeah Uh, which is something I've, i've thought quite a few times about conte actually um and I'm always fairly keen to like give foreign managers the benefit of the doubt on that because we don't really get the true nuance. But parking that to one side, mm. um, given what we know about him, I think it was Dan Kilpatrick in his piece today said that you know Conte could just very easily say, I've not been well, my family are in Italy, I've lost a few friends this year, the football's not worked out as I hoped and it's just not working. So, you know, this is where we have to part company. Um but choosing to just scorch the ground around him and just lash out at everyone. I feel like when you lash out at everyone, the objective view is to kind of look back at the person itself. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so random. Did, did he lash out at everyone then? Because he, I think he, he, did. he supposedly came out later and and clarified with the board, with the club. He wasn't having a go at the board or Levy or the owners. He, he was specifically talking about this kind of culture of comfort, mm. I guess, uh, with the, the the players, and, he, and he's he's kind of leaned leaned into that particular narrative. I mean, would you do, do you agree he's just just doing a bit of a clean up post presser to to just ease the mood, even though at that point the mood is literally on fire? Well, I don't know what you think about this, Ross, but for me, that is him uh, or the club just briefing some decent comms just to buy themselves some time. Because they obviously didn't want to make a decision immediately. They're giving themselves a couple of days to make a decision. For me, that just takes the heat off them slightly. And like if if that comment is just lying there for two or three days, then the board have got no choice really but to get rid. And for me, him that, that clarification feels like a leak to me to the press right. to kind of buy themselves some time. I don't, I don't know what you guys think about that. Ross, what, what do you reckon? Did, did you? I mean, what did you think about he, his rant? Did you did you buy into a lot of what he was saying, or or, or, or did you have like a mixed reaction, mixed emotions? Uh, again, as 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 it's been alluded to, uh, well, everywhere really that he could have delivered it with less, just just less oh. of the 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 the, the negative, uh, the, the kind of the, the negative energy. Because look. In your in your head, was it a power move? Was it calculated? Was it petulant? Was he protecting himself? Was it was he just setting fire to everything because he wants out? Was he just doing a Conte, which he's done before? He'd done it against Bur- uh, the Burnley game. He's done it at every other club. He's had a similar rant when he was at Chelsea. He literally said the same thing about not having money. He was having a go at the ball in in in, in that scenario. I mean. Do you, do you buy into the whole propaganda piece with the club? Like just in terms of just keeping things quiet, sent him to Italy for a few days. He's back tomorrow, apparently, which would be Tuesday. Yeah, someone put up a video of him on the Ryanair again. Um, oh, it was 
really conflicting because I do wonder how long this has been building up inside of him because it really was a rant. I mean, you can have managers come out and say, player A, play crap, and so forth. But this was a real... This was something completely out of left field. Now, I know the frustrations of the match, which we covered on, and Adam said how he reacted after the penalty um, happened at the end. But, wow, he really went for the players. But my biggest issue with that, I think I put it in the chat earlier, he didn't say it to the players beforehand. So, you, he apparently... Because I watched... Um, Ali Gold's YouTube video last night. Apparently, what he he, do, he doesn't speak to the players when they've played badly mm. after the game. Apparently, mm. he goes really quiet and all that. Which you wonder if if he's just been storing this up and storing this up, and someone just triggered him. What he said though, it's it's hard to it, it's hard to disagree with to a point, but don't don't throw the players under the bus when you've not. Told them because you're these are the same this... players. These are the same players that he was calling great, best yeah, bunch of lads like... he's ever worked with. Yeah, proper, or some like proper men or something, or something. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember if that was him or Jose, but um, he really, he really surprised me when he came out. I, I thought he might just come out and say, "Oh, the refereeing was terrible. How am I? This is costing us this, that, and the other." But the way that he was banging the table fiddling with a mic um because i've watched it a couple of times and there's this microphone to the left of him and he keeps touching it so you just wonder how much of this has been stored up and from when has it been from the summer because he didn't get the plays that he wanted so has that just started is it because there was a massive break for this world cup and it stopped any momentum even though he went into that world cup with not great form is it the fact that three of his close friends has passed away in the last year, he's not close to his family, his daughter's, you know, having to stay there because of her schooling. Is it just a culmination of everything and the fact that he has Daniel Levy as a boss and it just exploded? Yeah, I mean, it's not been an easy time. Um, if you if you kind of, I know it's difficult to strip out the human side of it because obviously that that does affect you as obsessive. And this is the thing about Conte, right? He's obsessive about football. He lives and breathes football. And I can't remember whether it was on. It might be on this podcast actually, uh, talking to um, uh, Ollie Ollie Lister a, a week or so back. That he's just football crazy. He's football mad, and the way he celebrates on the touchline, you know, he he. If he was down the park watching, you know, um, I was going to say uh, he, his son. I don't think he's got a son. But if he was just watching someone like a kid play football and he was managing a kid's team, he'd probably celebrate in the same way. He's just absolutely obsessive. He's a winner. He's a born winner. The thing the thing where it kind of all falls apart is that you can have all these traits and, 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 and all these really positive strengths um, – that allow you to form and build a, a, a team and, and hopefully in your image, just in terms of, uh, of, not, of hating to lose. And, and, and But it doesn't quite work when when you kind of step back and, and kind of notice that there are these erratic moments and these inconsistencies. Like Conte talks about being professionals, watching, we're doing a lot of like name drops at the moment. We watched this and we said this. And, but I was watching James Alcott um, earlier today and he was talking about Conte talking about being pro- professional. But is Conte actually being professional in that moment, the way that he's behaving? 
Should that be behind closed doors? Should that be a relationship that he, he has with his players, with his senior players, with the leaders, if there are leaders in that team? And, 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 and deal with that behind closed doors and actually find out, guys, what is going on. Because he was away for a while. I mean, he had surgery. He wasn't in the country. He was managing remotely, we would like to think. But there's a, there's a lot of things that you could say that play into this. If you're going to have a go at the players, I mean, you know, everybody, it seems to always be blame the players, right? And the media narrative are really jumping on that. I mean, Adam, where are you at with this this kind of player blaming thing? Because, you know, you think about it logically, the, the, the blame doesn't need to be assigned to a single person or a, a group. It's everybody's is responsible everybody's accountable it's not a hot potato getting passed about you know Levy's accountable for the managers he's, he appoints and in the business that's done in, in the transfer window we've spent 192 million quid on with Conte that's a lot of money in a very short space of time so I don't buy into he's not been backed I don't buy into he hasn't got he hasn't been bought the players he needs yeah, we need more players. We need more centre backs. We need a we need a new keeper and a creative midfielder. But this is this is early doors at Tottenham. This is like his first full season. And he's not even going to see it out. So him losing his shit now just to me feels like he's tapping out rather than than truly genuinely believing he can do something here. But you know, would you would you be harsh on the players? Considering a lot of them are new players and they they haven't got the the they've they've not been at Tottenham long enough to to be cursed. I hope. I mean, there's there's criticism that deserves to be divvied up all around, but when it comes to the players, it's still the same players that last year he said, you know, apart from two or three that are new, I think the best group of men he's ever worked with. What after right. they beat Man City three two? You, you were right, Ross. The, the quote was correct. <laughs> um, yeah, Ross Ross did say that and. Uh, that that you know that was quite a big. He had no need to say that. You know, ultimately everything a manager says in a press conference is consigned to history and is very easily findable. So like you can find the quotes of Conte slagging off Roman Abramovich for not spending enough money. I mean, that's just ridiculous in its own right, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but ultimately, the, these players have got the team into fourth position uh, in the toughest league in the world with seven or eight teams that are desperate to be in the top four. So. There's only a limit to how bad they can possibly be if after nearly 30 games they're in fourth place. Now, there are issues in the squad that need to be cleaned up. We need a better goalkeeper. We need a couple of better centre-halves. We're lacking creative midfield. But everyone knows that. And in spite of that, we're still fourth. But I, I would say that if you look at our last five away games, um, Leicester, we lost 4-1. They've not beaten a team since. Wolves, we lost 1-0. Uh, they lost 4-2 at home to Leeds. Uh, last week AC Milan you can you know put the home and away games together they've barely beaten a drum outside um, of, of our games and they dealt with us handily without really having to do anything particularly well Sheffield United well they're a championship club so and they played their reserves and Southampton have scored 11 league goals at home before we come to town and they've scored three so we need better players going forward and we need better players to get us from fourth to first because that's obviously the target <coughs> We don't need better players to be beating these teams. And that's where I think a lot of what Conte says collapses. Because I said on the last time I was on that I think you see a true manner of a team and how they're playing for a manager in the away form when you've not got the fans behind you. And the, those last five away games, it is inexcusable 
that nothing has been done to beat those teams. No tactical changes, no tweaks, um, no substitutions to impact games. And you can only look at the manager who's earning a fortune, not being able to navigate through any of those games with a good result and, and say, what, what are you up to? What are you playing at? This is it. This is the thing that I always come back to. I think we've been conditioned to believe that, you know, all the players we have are useless. They're rubbish. They all need they all need chucking out. And, and and a lot of the players that people like to bang on about, they were here when Poch was last here. Most of them don't play that much football. And and I I respect and understand that we we need to be able to rotate those players in to to give a rest to the players that are playing the football all of the time. And I think that's where the problem is with with our transfer policy and pushing out players that are, are probably no longer good enough to the standard we, we would like. And, you know, that's definitely on the club and the director of football and just the way that we scout and look for, um, you know, upgrades. I, I, I get that. But most of the players are brand new. Most of the players have got a lot of quality. And, I, and I've said it time and time again, we should be slapping most of this league, especially with the football not being... Um, consistently great with even the best teams. It's a very competitive league. It's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily elite, and you don't necessarily need to be elite in every position to be able to play expansive attacking football. And I think that with the players that we do have, I think we are playing within ourselves. And I think if you do that, game after game after game after game after game it's going to bleed through into the mentality of these players and they and, and and to 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 you know i've heard people people say people have actually said to me today they've they've tweeted at me and said are you seriously going to not are you seriously going to blame the, the manager and not the players i'm like fucking hell when did we when did we shift in, in, when did we shift into a world where the manager is not accountable for the football being played and for the players responding to you know if if managers weren't that important get a football supporter to go in the dressing room and yell at the players about passion for 10 minutes and get and, and get the players to go out there and play and play like five up front because if if it's that easy to 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 gauge and uh, uh, inspire footballers. We wouldn't need world class managers on fifty million quid a year. Like Conte is is fearful, and his football is quite obviously definitely not fit for us. Probably it's majestic in Italy, but over here it's it's a travesty at the minute. And I think I agree. Like like the responsibility is shared, but a lot of it falls on Antonio Conte. He's not helped matters when he has been here and available. His football's been turgid, and, I, and, I, and I'm and I'm someone who was pro Conte for a long time. I was someone who was saying, "Be patient, guys. It's going to click. It's going to click. It's going to click." And I'd still believe that. I'd still believe that if he was a better personality, if he was able to pretend he's a better, better personality, like he was more forthcoming, more committed. But he's not committed. So the players aren't going to commit to him if he's not going to commit to the club. Um, I mean, the players have come out. I mean, the players have come out. Romero, uh, Dyer. I know Dyer's much maligned, uh, but they've come out talking about togetherness and uh, Romero especially talking about he loves his teammates and they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep pulling in the same direction. 
Um, I mean, Ross, I'll, I'll start with you on on on, on this particular one. Um, what the fuck? What the fuck do we do now? Like, there, there's, <laughs> you know, there's there's rumors, there's rumors start building up. <laughs> there's rumors building well, up uh, that Conte could go this week. Um, you know, he's like I said, he's in Italy. Uh, he's on his way back. I mean, I've got a couple of questions here that might like, might help you answer the question about what next. So, uh, James Payton, uh, all the way in Cyprus, asks, do you believe Antonio Conte is the biggest advocate of the Conte out movement? You know, is he basically just pushing himself out of the club because he's just had enough? Steve Hotspur said, uh, Conte seems to have lost the dressing room and the fans and doesn't want to commit his future, but it's still employed by the club. Should the club do more to clarify the position of Conte? Also going forward, would more communication with supporters help prevent online meltdowns? Well, oh God. I just chucked a load of shit I... at you there. Just, just <laughs> yes, yeah, so what next? Go on. We're drowning in shit at the minute Spurs. with Spurs. Um, so. uh, yeah. Best way is just swim up. Um, <laughs> I think Conte's a very strange beast. I mean, he won the league with Inter and then buggered off because they wouldn't invest enough. The um, uh, Juventus job, he, he left primarily because he knew they couldn't afford the plays that he wanted. I can't quite remember the big fallout at Chelsea. I think he, people just got pissed off with him. And there is a pattern developing. You wonder why people didn't, why Man United didn't want him. Well, this is probably why. Hmm. You, with Conte, yeah, he, all this non-committal bollocks is, it's just, it's almost petulant. It's almost like a kid going, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to promise anything. You have to tell me, well, you help us and we'll help you. Sign the bloody contract and then we can help you and build something. There's no point us giving him everything that he wants just for him to piss off at the end of the season if Real Madrid or PSG come calling because they can afford more players and better players. Well, what, what, do you, what do you think, uh, um, Adam, on, on, on terms... Um, because I, I know you might have a, a thought about this, but on terms of communication with supporters from the club, uh, you know, just clarifying what is going on, I mean... Do, do you agree with... I mean, do the club have to comment on every little step backwards that they make? Or, 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 or are they just leaving it until they've got something substantial to actually talk to us about? I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on how the club have to handle this and then have to handle us going forward with the next appointment? I think generally it's fairly utopian to demand the club speak out on everything. And actually, the pe- the same people that demand the club speak out are quite likely to read three senses of what they say and say, well, you know, this is just club produced in-house bollocks. So they're not, they're not telling the truth. They're just p- pushing a PR line. And I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling to think what Levy or Paratici could have possibly said in the last two days if they weren't going to sack Conte that would uh, placate anyone. Like, what, what, what do you think they could have come out and said... Like, what are they going to say? We're going to have a discussion internally about Antonio's comments. Well, that just extends the news cycle. And if anything, I think keeping Sturm about this stuff, if you're not looking to sack the guy, is probably the quickest way to get out of the get out of Sky Sports News and get out of the news cycle, is how I read it. I don't know if you if you disagree with that. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with it. Um, I think I think the, the other thing is we're all sitting around waiting for something to happen and we're sitting around together 
on social media, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. So everybody <laughs> feeds into everyone else. And um, the demands for transparency, I mean, I'm not saying the club, I don't think any club sits there talking, especially at the higher end of the of the, the, the kind of uh, the, the pyramid. You know, they don't sit there talking to their supporters constantly. But it's it's probably because a lot of clubs have already stipulated what they are and what they're about and what they're planning to do. Not not all of them, and I guess with us because we don't have that. I think there's a bit of desperation in just needing the club to just accept responsibility and accountability, and then tell us how they're going to fix things and what they're going to do uh, moving, you know, moving forward. I mean, moving forward. Uh, Ross, I mean, if Mason comes in for the rest of the season, you know, is that is that the only option we've got at, at this point? There's a, there's a certain Ar- Argentine sitting in his house, possibly yeah, even about to start barbecuing he's... in the in the garden at some point uh, this <laughs> evening. A nice barbecue. Um, he won't do anything until the summer, he said today, Pochettino. So, but oh, that, really, apparently, I've read it in the last half hour somewhere um that he he'll weigh up his decisions and he's turned down a load of things in the last few months but is the whole poch thing is it's really confusing i don't know which way i lean towards which is really helpful for a podcast um but oh going forward mason till the end of the season might as well who else are we going to bring in who i mean nobody else knows the club better than he does um, bar probably Ledley King. Does he do a better so, job than, than than what Conte can do between now and the end of the season? Well, even if he just, even if he just gets some connection back with the fans, he's doing a better job. It's we just we just need someone who's going to just brighten up the place a little bit and just make everyone feel a bit better about the club. Because at the minute, there's such a it's so grey and miserable and this whole unknown we just want a manager who's going to come in play some really good exciting football um and just get the get the crowd going again because it's been a few years bar covid and all that with jose a little bit of nuno god bless him and conte where because we've not had any success we've had to put up with some real docile football um, I mean, Adam goes to a hell of a lot more games than I do, so he'll probably have a better barometer on this than myself. But the the football hasn't really been great. We're getting into the Champions League. Why? Just to get knocked out. Um, the money's good, I know that. But it is also going great forward, for the just... fans, by the way. Like being in the Champions League is really good fun, and it means that oh, you've yeah, won yeah, most I'm... of your games of the year before. So <laughs> there is a lot to be said for being in it because winning is better than not winning ultimately. But, Does... but but when you're in the Champions League, you you, you should be enjoying the, the the experience. I mean, you could argue that Spurs are not in a position to win it, right? So so you don't need to approach every game as though you're scared of risking enough to potentially lose the game. So yeah, it, it's not in, in in spirit of the competition. It's not in spirit of of what we expect as supporters. You have to be on the front foot. You have to show a bit of desire, uh, some urgency, and that gets the crowd going. And Spurs can do a lot in that in 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 that kind of atmosphere, because most of the time we do have a lot of good players. You know, again, it's a fallacy that that this club is not 
doesn't have quality. We we are mostly always finishing in the top four. I mean, the last time we did it was under Mourinho a couple of times. So we're a consistent team at the top end of the of the of, of the of the table in one of the most competitive leagues, if not the most competitive league in world football. So the fact that we keep getting told we're a million miles apart and that 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 it's the culture of the club and the this of the club. It's nothing to do with that. If you're setting low expectations, if you're holding players back, you're not going to get the response from them out on the pitch. And the and just everything about the club, everything's going to degrade. Um, his sorry, Spooks. Go on, no, um, no, 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 go, go, go. His formation stubbornness doesn't help. The formation yeah. he plays with very the two rigid in midfield. It's it's it gets overrun. The players that he uses aren't are just struggling still to cope. And it's he, look, he's been unfortunate with injuries. I mean, losing Davies and Richarlison in the Southampton game probably didn't help. But and losing Benton cause being massive. But it this whole thing of this three four three where modern day teams, elite teams will just overrun your midfield, absolutely cripple you, and then you'll lose you're on the back foot straight away. It's it really has been detrimental to our um It has. And and it's our it, way of playing. Yeah, it's 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 been detrimental. And also, you know, again this was we were chat we chatted about this on on a previous podcast. He never helped himself earlier in the season. He he made weird choices with Richarlison and and with Kulosevsky. The, the way that he he almost played the wrong player at the wrong time instead of playing the other one, and it was just a, this weird dynamic, this weird stubbornness, and it's not really weird at all. It's just what Conte is, and he's been persistent and consistent with those decisions, and it just hasn't helped in the long run. That there hasn't been this flexibility with his selection. I mean, look, we're talking. This is the problem. Like we're even with Conte. There's no evolution in the discussion let alone the football on the pitch, we're talking about the same things over and over and over and over again. Um, Adams, uh, Jamie J73 uh, said, can we address the elephant in the room? It's not the manager completely at fault again. Remember this. And basically what it was, was a video of Pochettino talking about uh, um, delivering in a very eloquent way, you know, even with his broken English. But he was talking about he wants to sign players for the football club and he wants the players to be able to say, I'm signing for Tottenham Hotspur because I'm here to win titles. That's the level we need to be at. We need to be at a level where where players are joining us because they believe collectively with everyone else that's there and, and also signing for the club that we are going to compete for the title. And I think it was it was potentially, depending on how you look at it, because a lot can be lost in translation and a lot of people will take a quote and add meaning to it, uh, completely different to someone else's take. But, you know, Poch was kind of saying we need to up the level of of where we are. And at that point, he was about four and a half years into his tenure. Um, so he's the only fix here, an oligarch. I mean, do we are we back to the conversation around we're only going to get these players drop into Spurs if we're spending hundreds of millions every single window or are we moving in the right direction in terms of the money we have outlaid already 192 million i know that number's disputable because romero's chucked in there as well 
Um, we're moving in the right direction, but are we? Because we've got Fabio Paratici, director of football, could be eating porridge soon. He's still at the club. Is he involved in appointing the manager? It seems like it seems like there's these there's these story arcs that need to be cleared up, um, and no one has a clue as to where this club is heading. Again, we're we're still in limbo. I don't know what my question is, Adam. You can you can say anything you want, mate. But I mean, the Poch thing maybe is a good place to start. Like, do you think things have moved on? Do you do you know? Are we back to talking about the board and Levy and just the way that we attack this particular uh, first world problem that we've got? You know, trying to win a league title or a cup. I mean, I I do try and look at things with a slightly more positive disposition when, when I can, certainly on the bigger picture things. And on, you know, on a micro level, I would suggest that we're all in agreement probably that the area of the pitch that's most surprised us and where we've been exposed and outnumbered is in central midfield. Would that be a fair? Obviously, the defense, yeah. defense haven't performed, but in yeah. midfield has been the area of the pitch where like, what the hell is going on in midfield, right? That, that's not an unfair statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the defence will yeah. probably get the, yeah. the, the the most of the. Uh, but when when you're watching games, you're looking language. At it, like thinking, where are the midfielders? Yeah. And in the summer, the player that I was by far the most excited to sign was probably the best midfielder in the Premier League the year before, in Eve Basuma. Yeah. And at no at no point did Conte show any interest in integrating him into the team to the point where you get cameos here and the odd start there. And yeah, players always look shit when they're starting the odd game. Look at Fraser Forster for for a, a great example of someone that looked so bad on his first game, but as he's grown into it and you get six, seven, eight games in a row, has played. I don't think Basuma has started two league games in a row, has he? In, in arguably the biggest problem area. Um, and we talk about sort of, rebuilding and long-term and Paratici. I mean, there's part of me that that looks at the business that Paratici has done from a purely transfer standpoint since he came in. And outside of Brian Hill, which obviously hasn't worked out, I think yeah. the players he signed that, that aren't old, so, you know, Perisic and Forster and Longley are kind of squad fillers. I think, you know, do a job and whether the manager, manager obviously wanted Perisic, you needed a backup keeper and Longley was you know, a stopgap. But the other players that Paratici has signed, I think, are Royale, Romero, Kulisevsky, Bentoncourt, Bisuma, Spence, Adoji, Richarlison, Porro. I mean, that there's a load of good young players there that mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure any manager with an attacking mindset would be quite excited to get his hands on. So I think the, the bigger issue we've got, and, and this is obviously a problem, is that he's signed those players more for the next manager than for the manager we've got in place at the time. And Conte loves talking about club signings. If you've not got millions and billions to spend, then you have to make club signings. That That's the whole point. And you buy players for the future and young players that you nurture. Unfortunately, we've got a manager that's got no interest in using them. I mean, it would be like, I don't know, to record the podcast, I've got to go wall socket into computer, into microphone. What they've done is kind of got wall socket into computer into a butternut squash or something. The the the, the lineage <laughs> just, just it just it does doesn't work on a linear on a linear level because of the person who's in charge ultimately, which is Conte. Yeah, this club signing thing is is another headache, right? Because because it's funny as the seasons progress, more and more players have shifted from Conte signings to club signings. Um, 
It's just peculiar. Yeah. Like again, you've got you've got a, a manager that's supposedly very self aware, knows where we are as a football club, knows how long it's going to take for us to correct things. He said it time and time again. Now, apparently, all this was lies, according to, to some journalists today. Uh, that you know he's been bottling in the truth, and that and the truth exploded in this presser. I mean, come on, like they're making it up as they, as they go along. Conte's as well, to be fair, at this point, because the players we have signed have not been shit players. We're, we're not raiding random teams in, in France and, and plucking players who just will never make it in the Premier League. We've got a lot of talented footballers. Yes, we've been unlucky with injuries and all the other things that have happened this season. That's no excuse, though, for us to be sitting here and, and struggling to remember how many times we have been attractive this year and, and have played to our strengths. We've done that in pockets. We've punctured games with with moments where you're like, bloody hell, we're good going forward. And then we kind of sit back and we play this weird type of containment football and this kind of counter-attacking football where the um, counter-attacks don't actually happen that often. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, oh, mate, I mean... I, 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 it's just... It's, it's just... It feels, again... It's really weird because I think one of the, one of the human traits that we all suffer from is that we have to we have to find an anchor point on this. We have to blame someone. We have to find a this is who I am. It's like politics. The, you know, this is what I am politically, and this is what I believe in. And the people I hate is this. The people I support is this. And I won't have it any other way. And it's the same with football. We seem to want to have to say it's Levy. It's it's Conte. It's the players. It's a bit of all of them. It's the fact we always do this it's modern football and the need the necessity to always qualify for the champions league and the, the necessity the necessity to always have this money this revenue stream uh from sponsors and marketing and, and the rest of it and there's all this noise and and at the most basic level all we want is a football team that plays fancy football and then the rest kind of falls into place because it's likely to because of who we are and what we are right now we're still a big club we've got a huge fan base a very loyal fan base a very disappointed fan base in this moment in time but we have all the tools it's just half of them are just misplaced behind the sofa for some reason under the bed they should be in the fucking toolbox um let me jump to a question because i've got no idea where i'm going with any of this ranting and i've been a bit messy today i'm very tired I'm really fed up with Tottenham Hotspur. Um, what questions should I ask, chaps? I have lost track of my running order. This is the, I am now as professional as Conte was in that presser. Um, <laughs> it, a question to both of you. Take you know you can both answer this. Has the painful yeah. rebuild ever ever been real? Has it ever really started, or is it something that's been and gone? Because we keep coming back to. What was needed at the time, Poch was still at the club. And people will argue that we never really just sat down and had a, had a look and decided what we wanted to, to be and gone ahead with it. We've just employed someone to tell us what we should be. And that doesn't quite work. I mean, what does a painful rebuild look for you? In fact, Adam, you, you, you answer this question, mate. Um, uh, and then Ross, you can have a go at it as well. What is the painful rebuild for Spurs going forward? I I think we're seventy five percent of the way there. Honestly, oh, I think we've okay. managed to refuel the jet whilst it's in the sky pretty well. And I think a new manager that comes in 
Yeah, in 2018-19, when Pochettino said that, the whole defence was ageing. Now, obviously, I appreciate we do need a couple of defenders. But you still had, you know, th- th- there was there were players, you know, you didn't have any semblance of midfield. Ericsson was leaving. Um, Ali was on the wane. And that was it. I mean, if you look at the team that we put out that beat Man City or even Ajax, it was, it was yeah. farcical, really. Um, I honestly think that a new manager would come in and with a keeper and a centre-half, you could have a team of, top of my head, sort of Lloris, Porro or Spence, Romero, centre-half, Udoji, sorry, a new keeper, not Lloris. And then you've got Skip, Basuma, Bentoncourt, Saar, any of those in midfield, Richarlison, Kane, Kulusevsky, Son, maybe another forward. I mean, I think you've you've got a really good team kind of already if you want to play in the right way. I mean, maybe I'm so delusional and happy clapping that I, I can't see the wood from the trees, but I kind of feel like they've they've done a lot of the hard work in the last two years in in sort of reducing the squad, and now it just requires two or three tweaks every summer or every every window. Ross, do you agree with that? Do you have your own opinion on, on what it is or what it, what's needed? At the point that Adam made about what Poch said, uh, do you, I wonder if he was talking about if Kane or Son left, that painful side of things. Because Ericsson just kicked up a fuss and went into Milan. Um, Deli Ali fell off a cliff, as did Danny Rose, God bless him. And, you know, you... you I just wonder if it's one of them two that needs to be... Oh, I feel dirty saying this, but if Son needs to get shifted on, he's he's, he's had an awful season by his standards. And just to, again, just talk about this whole freshen up things. I mean, I, I do agree with Adam. I think most of it's there. We do need a better keeper. We need a centre-back to go alongside Romero if we're going to bring in a manager who plays four at the back, and I hopefully it is... And say that we go to a four-three-three, a four-two-three-one, we're crying out for a creative midfielder because the stable kind of box-to-box, if you say so old-fashioned, I don't think we um, kind of holding midfielders. We're fine for you know you've got Basuma, yeah. Skip, we've got Hoiberg, um, we've got Bentancourt if he does come back and um, finds his feet again, and we've got some decent attacking players. I mean we've got. Kane, who's one of the best players ever to put on an England shirt. We've got Kulazewski, who's who's dipped a bit, or dipped a lot. Let's be honest, but you know he's got he. We know what he's capable of. Um, Richarlison. Um, we just with Son. I just think would just moving him on just help us free up a space for a young mm. player to up and coming, um, and. Just put him, not put well, almost put him out of his misery, almost because he's struggling to find some form anywhere at the minute, and we keep playing him. It's like flogging a dead horse at the minute. Um, and mm. I, but the pain, this painful rebuild, I think it's nearly there. But Larice needs to be replaced. Yeah, Dyer I mean, look, needs to be shifted. Yeah, I mean, the painful rebuild. I think we're in it. I think we've been in it since Pochettino left, and I, and I think the, mm. the problem is that we haven't managed it correctly because what should have probably happened is we appoint a manager after Poch leaves and that manager is still here now four or five years later yeah. and and we're probably at the end of that journey and we're actually in a position where we are a finished final product but still still with the unfortunate 
extra little rebuild transition that we would need to do with the likes of Hugo Lloris and Son and and and, and Kane and and that you know people are saying oh what are we going to do when that happens well it's you can't fight against time. It's going to happen one way or the other. Even if we had success yeah. in the past four or five seasons, we'll still be in a position where we need to replace these players. And it's it's not going to be easy for quite obvious reasons. Kane has been synonymous. He's our, literally our, one of our great, if not our greatest ever player. You know, you don't replace question, players like that. You know, you can't replace Question for you like both that. then. Sorry. Um, if Man U offered us 100 million cash for Kane this summer... There's been no, no deal agreed. No. No? Hundred million? Literally, I don't I'm not even I'm not even gonna caveat with it with anything. In fact, <laughs> you're banned from ever appearing on this podcast again for even suggesting that. Scab. I'd pay thousands of pounds a year to watch Tottenham <laughs> and I'd I'd like to watch Harry Kane play at the same time. What, what I would say what I would yeah. say about that, and I just did a little bit of quick research, but yeah. uh, well, it's not really research, it's a Google search. Research makes it sound like I've done something far more technical than I actually have. <laughs> but how many goals do you reckon Arsenal have scored from the number nine position this year? Ooh. Well, Saka's their top scorer with 12 or something, so it must be about seven or eight. Yeah, so Nketiah and Jesus have combined for nine goals. Um, wow. from the striker position and obviously Kane is someone that I want to stay forever I want to watch him play for Spurs forever but I think a lot of the reliance on him comes from the fact that when you have a defensive minded manager who builds the entire focal point of the attack around one player you do look like half the team without him if you look at the way Brighton play Arsenal play Liverpool you know Firmino never really scored as their number nine it, it's the coach that can for, for me replicate so many of those goals by putting the team in a position to score them where you're not requiring the miraculous every time. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. It I does, think yeah. it does because I think what you've just said, Adam, is what I was trying to get to where getting, I hate, taking away them two big players in Son and Kane puts the reliance on other players to step forward. But with the system that we're playing, no midfielders going to get five or six or goals a season the wing backs have been dreadful and apart from Porro he's only been there a few months the over reliance on Kane getting getting all the goals is it's becoming ridiculous almost we 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 you know I don't want to sit here and, and like say oh god these are horrible things to have to you know think about they they are but they're also good things they can be made into good things if you have someone who has a philosophy and, and a work ethic that kind of ties into the club's identity, if they can work out what that is. And then that kind of then allows us to all bond as a fan base once more. You know, remember those days when we were all on the same page, really singing the same songs and just loving being in Tottenham. We need, we kind of need that to tie, to tie us all back in. And and I think that the other, the other things that are unavoidable, you know, I get what you mean by Kane, 100 million quid, and you can allow that to rebuild and whatever else. People say, well, you know, you, you've already got the best player in the world in that position. Why? What are we going to do with 100 million quid? Maybe buy a centre-back and, and just look for, look at other players to, to do the job up front. It's definitely a, a deeper conversation that we're going to be talking about Hopefully not for another couple of seasons, but we'll we'll have we'll have to wait and see. Let's uh, let's just finish up on a, a couple of questions here that I just I just want to I want to 
get these questions out of the way because I, I feel that um, people make the effort to send them in. So, uh, Pete, Peter Turner, what's Lampard's what what's Frank Lampard's first task going to be when he's announced? Peter, I'm not fucking answering that question. Like, fuck off. Like, he's banned forget. as well. Yeah, I just don't. That's that's just not on. Um, <clears throat> Samuel Jones asks Shag Mary Keel. Conte Mourinho Nuno. Fuck it, let's do it. Ross. I'm, oh, oh, fuck. I'm marrying Nuno because I reckon I can walk all over him. I'm shagging Conte and I'm killing Mourinho because I think that would make me happier. Okay. There's some disturbing logic to to that answer. <laughs> Adam, do you, do, you, do you fancy answering this or are you going to pass? Ross has asked that really sincerely. Uh, fair play to him. It's actually taken me aback by how, how well he's answered it. Uh, yeah. I'm, kill- I'm killing Mourinho, ignoring Nuno, and extraditing Conte. How about that? Wow. Okay. I'm going to go fully serial killer. I'm going to just kill all three of them. Yeah, that's the right answer. You can't kill Nuno. I- I'm going to kill Nuno because it- 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 he's like a like a like a like you find like a wounded bird. Outside that isn't gonna isn't gonna start flapping its wings and hey, he's just like a he's just like a mouse to me. He just squeaks and he's really tiny and insignificant. Bless you. You know what? That's he doesn't fair. mean harm. That, that, uh, do you know what? I'll take that back. I apologise. I'd kill the other <laughs> two, and I'd get Nuno to help me dig the shallow grave and just yeah, uh, then uh, put stick Nuno them in. in afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, sneers more guts. Uh, uh, asks, is Conte a cunt? Right. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what? At, at one point, I, I, I mean, he obviously. It, it, the thing is, it's it's a good question. Like genuinely, you're never going to hear this on like the the football ramble or the Guardians podcast. But Conte was exactly he was exactly the type of personality and character in terms of in terms of what he brings. He's he, that obsessiveness we spoke about earlier. Uh, and and that kind of that edge that uh, that extra dimension that Spurs have always kind of lacked at that level, he had that, and it was okay. It's part of the whole win ugly or, or just do everything you can possibly do to win to consolidate. But that's where it kind of stops dead, right? And I, I I did this tweet and I got a bit of a, a, a pleasant abuse for it because I was like saying. Wouldn't be, wouldn't it be funny if he just, if Spurs just offered him a contract, an extension, right now, and he and he signed it, and and I kind of said this, this is something I was saying for a long time earlier in the season, that if he committed, everyone would calm down, and perhaps we'd go through this really rough patch, and the football will come together again, but it comes back to the football, right, and and, and this is where I, the thought experiment kind of imploded as, as 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 badly as Conte did. That it does come back to the football, that and it's proven as much as we bang on about wanting trophies and silverware and cups and the rest of it, we just want to be entertained. And because of the level we're at, the likelihood is if we're playing if we're playing really good football, we're likely to be in amongst it, and and we and we'll be playing football that gives you hope, and it doesn't drain hope. The AC Milan game and the Sheffield United games. You can be pro Conte, but th- they were criminal uh, preparations for both those games. I've gone well over the top with that, but 
that they they would just not forget about the players what they were doing on the day they're following instructions and Conte is someone who's very disciplined and deliberate and he you know he's very much rigid with his automations that you sometimes can't can't even see he's telling the players to play a certain way and the way that we uh, selected the team for Sheffield United and the way that we played against AC Milan was criminal it was criminal so yes he is a c word uh for that um however you know i can separate things i still respect him in a weird way i just don't think he's fit for our club it hasn't worked out it's an experiment that hasn't worked out um it is what it is I, like i said what everything he's gone through um you know i i'm complete i feel sorry for the guy and i don't hate him this is the weird thing i just hate that Spurs are once again this football club that seems to create these melodramas and, and these kind of tragic um, finales. And, and talking of finales, we're about to finish uh, the normal pod that you're probably listening to on Spotify or Apple or Google. We're going to continue a little bit longer um, on the Patreon pod, if you're listening behind the paywall. Uh, but Ross and Adam, if you want to say goodbye to the guys listening to, to uh, the podcast, if you what yeah. you want, yeah, I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to say goodbye. You can just you Th- know. thank you for making it this long. It's uh, yeah, there's probably a number of podcasts you've been listening to this week, and uh, great to have you with us till the end. That was very television. But that, I'll accept yeah, it. Was, it was yeah. sort of half te- half television, half. <laughs> I'll, like, I'll have to edit British that out. Air, half um, British Airways, like the number of <laughs> number of airlines you could have chosen. <laughs> thank you for staying with us. Like Either way, it was classy. There are others available. Um, classy I, touch, Adam. I, just quickly, actually, Adam, what's your Twitter? Adam D Nathan. And and Ross, your Twitter? Oh, at Spurs Simpsons. All right, sweet. All right, thanks for listening, guys. But next time you you probably download the podcast, we'll probably be talking about Ryan Mason, new interim manager of Tottenham Hotspur, uh, which I guess would be all right uh, because it's better than the chaos we have right now. And uh, you know, Ryan Mason, um, he's never really been away, has he? He's been there to witness everything. So interim manager, so be it. We'll find out later in the week, no doubt. Um, if you enjoyed this, if you're still listening, well done. Thank you. And uh, you can listen to the extended episode if you want more on Patreon. There's an extra 30 minutes for this particular episode. Um, And you can find my Patreon on patreon.com forward slash spooking purgatory. Yes, it's behind the paywall. Deal with it. Uh, You can pay for what? The equivalent of a neck oil. I mean, you might not even like neck oil, so that's not a great comparison. But you might like my blog and my extra podcasts. So check out Spooky Purgatory if you want a bit more of this and support me in my endeavours because uh, it's not easy to waffle. You try and do it.